Hello and welcome once again to the AFA podcast, the official podcast for animationforadults.com. This is episode 98. Today we're going to be discussing a, a film festival that just took place in New York not too long ago, and that is the Animation First French Film Festival located in New York City. My name is Rachel, and joining me today is Chris. Bonjour. <laughs> Nina. Hey. <laughs> hey again. And the lovely Yvonne. Bonjour. <laughs> 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 Showing off those French. Something French. I'm sorry. <laughs> that language I wanted to take in high school, but I unfortunately was not able to do. Uh, it's okay. I'm learning. <laughs> Pimsler. Pimsler. I recommend Pimsler. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. It's of the spies use. Okay. I don't know. That <laughs> I'm not supposed to tell people. <laughs> oh, shh. <laughs> but yeah, um, we're uh, Yvonne and Nina both were able to attend this festival. So once we get to our main topic today, we'll be able to allow them to share their experiences with the festival. And because uh, this was the very first first time this fe this festival's ever happened in New York, so we're very eager to hear about their experiences. But very quickly before we go ahead into that domain discussion, there are a few uh, news topics we did want to discuss on the podcast today. And one of the big ones is a Kickstarter campaign that was recently uh, recently went up, and it is an uh, animated miniseries created by uh, Steve Ahn, who is a director, storyboard artist for uh, you know animated series such as Voltron Legendary Offender, and I believe he also just directed on uh, The Legend of Korra and a few other animated, uh, animated series like Generator Rex, Ben 10, a whole bunch of other different animated shows. And he's been in the industry for a long time, but this is his first uh, time doing an independent project of his own. And it is called Blossom Detective Holmes. And if we're going to go quick through um, synopsis of the plot, uh, it is set in Stockholm, Sweden, and centers on two teenage detectives, Skylar Holmes and Jamie. Uh, Skylar has instincts of an expert detective and a heightened sense of smell, almost hound-like, <laughs> that allows her to gather data through scent alone from a crime scene. Jamie, on the other hand, is a meticulous and is very meticulous and careful and uses visible evidence and logic to uncover the truth. Uh, she also carries a special Polaroid camera that can transport them to anywhere in the world with a quick snap of the camera. So that is the, um, that's the premise of this, and they actually have a pilot, uh, the first pilot uh, up on the Kickstarter page to kind of give people an idea of what this series is, you know, the tone and of what the animation and style is going to be like. And it is very, very impressive because uh, they have a lot of really other talented individuals on this project. A lot of other uh, collaborators on Korra, Last Airbender, and Voltron. And I believe they also uh, are being joined by a Ghibli background artist, I believe the name by the name of Siho Sato-san, uh, who will be uh, assisting in the production. And so if you're curious, we're going to make sure to leave a link to the Kickstarter page in the show notes so you can uh, go ahead and check out. They've already reached their goal. Um, their goal was $60,000, and uh, it has long since surpassed that and gone to, but I think the last I checked, it was uh, 77000 was what I uh, checked today. So I think it's continuing to rise. So a lot of people are getting uh, getting in on this project, and it's I have to say I'm, I can't blame them. It looks really freaking cool. Looks great. I mean, that you know, that Voltron fandom, you can always depend on them to throw money at things. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean, this looks super cute. I like that it's two girls and they're solving mysteries. 
it's always fun time. Yeah, I was trying to think like with the, um, cause I think the lang um when I was watching the pilot and I think the uh, the character's voices that it takes place in Sweden. I wasn't sure if I could pin like if the pin the language that they were speaking. Like um, I think Chris, did you take a look at that and did you tell what they were, how they were like? It didn't sound like I was like I wasn't sure if it's Swedish or not. It's not Swedish. Definitely no, it's not, not Swedish. I'm sure it isn't because everyone knows Swedish sounds like. Birdie, 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 birdie. No! Birdie, 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 birdie. No! <laughs> if I've learned one thing from the Muppets, it's that. Uh, no. If any um, one of our listeners is from Sweden, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> it says here it's made in Japanese. Yeah, it's, I was pretty sure it's a Japanese. Uh, but if anyone is from Sweden, they'll think I'm doing the Norwegian accent. Because <laughs> um, when, when the Muppets in, in Sweden, they call him the Norwegian chef. So there you go. Yes, Muppet <laughs> reference. Have we yeah. do, been continuing? <laughs> do they call him the the Swedish chef in in Norway? I think so. Yeah. I so, don't know. <laughs> I, uh, oh, yeah. The tangled web that Muppets weave. It's in it's in Japanese, which is kind of weird because it's it's American made. It's set in Sweden and it's in Japanese because <laughs> it's supposed to be anime. So uh, it should be Japanese. And that really that is a little weird. It's like, how do you write the script if like all the people making it are American? Yeah. So they must have had it translated. And then one of the stretch goals is to do an English dub. And it's like, it, I, what? It's I mean, very strange. It, it's kind of like all those people who were like, Man, I wish they put Netflix put the subtitled version of the Castlevania series up. And it's like, uh, it's an American production. It's <laughs> not a dub. It's that's just what it is. But this is like backwards. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But whatever. It looks cute. Or authentic, is it? <laughs> is it? Is that what authentic means? Like, does it really, really like? If you think if you work on Avatar and, and on Voltron, like you understand, anime doesn't have to be in Japanese, right? Like, no, I don't know. It's confusing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it looks good That's though. Snarky. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, yeah, but it's um. Yeah, as I said, we'll make sure to leave a link to the Kickstarter page in your in the show notes, and uh, you know the the bunch of different tiers for you know if you contribute a certain amount of money to the project. Um, I think one of the highest level tiers is like not only do you get you know flown out for uh, like a premiere and also lunch with nice. the director, but also if you donate a certain amount, you will also get um, your uh, a character of your own into the like, as a side character, an incidental character, and uh, with you know actual you know. Uh, with a someone being cast to voice your character as such and so I, so if you're really if really into that I think that would be a really good reward uh, for this project but it looks yeah it looks really awesome we'll leave a link in the show notes if you want to go ahead and check out the tiers and see how much you would like to you do to support it go go for it because it looks really awesome and Another, in regards to upcoming projects, there is a project that was just, we've been kind of, um, think, hearing a bit more and more as it goes along. I think it was this uh, project coming out of Pearl Studio, which uh, recently, they've changed leadership, I think, relatively. I think it was over the, Chris, I think you had some more information on this in terms of when, like, in terms of the, their leadership changing. Well, it, they were called Oriental Dreamworks, mm -hmm. and um, 
they were it was a joint venture between DreamWorks Animation and I think China China Media Capital or something. It's a CMC mm-hmm. is the initials. It's a, a Chinese media company, and as we know, DreamWorks has changed ownership. DreamWorks Animation is now owned by Comcast, um, and they weren't looking at divesting their interest in in um, Oriental DreamWorks. And uh, basically, the Chinese side bought out the whole company. So it's now a wholly Chinese company called Pearl, Pearl Studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but That's awesome. Um, they... Basically, they made Kung Fu Panda Free, uh, which was a bit considered a bit of a uh, financial disappointment. Uh, it was really well made, though. Yeah, it was very good. I liked it, but it, they considered it a bit of a letdown, I guess, financially. Mm-hmm. So that's probably maybe why they pulled out. I don't know. And they are working on a film called Everest, I think, with DreamWorks still. Mm-hmm. But this is their first um, original project they've announced since becoming Pearl Studio. Mm-hmm. And it is a project featuring Mr. Glenn Keane. It is. It is. This feature is going to be called Over the Moon. And as far as if I recall correctly, I'm looking at it here. It is a joint project between Pearl Studio and Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, it's going to be an uh, animated musical uh, inspired by a classic Chinese myth, um, which mm. the synopsis of is a young girl builds a rocket to the moon to try to meet a legendary moon goddess. Uh, I believe the projected film release date is 2020, and uh, they're hoping to release the film in cinemas in China, and then once it does, it will be available exclusively via Netflix everywhere else. That's great. He's so perfect for that. <laughs> I'm happy about this name change. I'm glad I don't have to say Oriental DreamWorks. Anymore. I know. I was thinking that too. Oh, uh, that was such an unfortunate name. Pearl uh, Studio. Yeah, Pearl Studio is way way nicer. Definitely. And yeah, like it. It, uh, it says here that we still don't know if it's going to be CG or 2D animated. Like all we really have to go by is uh, some sketches of what mm-hmm. I'm assuming is the main protagonist. Um, so, like, I guess they're keeping that a surprise. Um, so that'll be neat to see. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm curious about the screenplay writer, Audrey Wells. Like, I looked her up, and she hasn't really written anything, like, super <laughs> noteworthy. Hmm. Like, she wrote The Truth About Cat and Dogs and George of the Jungle. <laughs> well, so. that, that, like, the Uma Thurman and Janine Grafluffalo. Graf- Gruffalo, <laughs> whatever her name is. Gruffalo. Gruffalo. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Her most recent writing credit was for a movie called The Hate You, The Letter You Give. So I don't know. Hmm. That's kind of interesting. But yeah. she's, not, she's not an animation person, which is interesting. She's, she's a, not. Yeah, that's. Hmm, we should see. Well, George of the Jungle, is this the, are you referring to like the the Disney's George of the Jungle? It was like George, George, George of the Jungle. Yeah, because I know that they did did a live action movie of that and that was absolutely hilarious. (laughs) Yep, she did the live action Disney one. Oh, wow. Okay. That that makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, 
guess I hope she knows this story very well. It's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting that this is a new Chinese venture and they're bringing in American writers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people are going to ask, why are you getting a white man to tell a, a very Asian story? Um, which is, you know, it's a fair enough question. <laughs> but I mean, I understand getting some help, like some industry help to like help establish the studio and like help build it up a little bit, but... Yeah, it mm. is. I, I do think it's odd that the writer is American. Mm, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I wonder, um, I mentioned this before, I, I wonder uh, what they're going to do. I'd be curious to see what they're going to do in the realm of VR. Maybe that's uh, also, I mean, he's perfect. I do think he's perfect for this um, just because of his drawing style and what he's worked on in the past. But in VR, you know, he worked on Duet, which was um, sort of cutting edge and, and uh, sort of ahead of the, um, sort of ahead of what everyone else was doing in, in the VR space. Worked on mm-hmm. Duet with Samsung. And then, you know, now Glenkey's working a lot in with HTC Vive and doing all kinds of demos and trying The Little Mermaid. And um, I, I wonder what sort of the second chapter of this project will be. Indeed. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Like in regards to your, yeah, working on VR, that would be kind of interesting once this, like once we get some more information about, especially what type of animation style this is going to be, like if it is going to be um, a 2D animated film or if it's it's going to be a kind of like a pseudo 2D and 3D film Mm -hmm. and we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But as far as I understand it with, um, with Glenn Keane actually directing this movie, um, I think he mentions in, um, when referring to the project that one of the reasons that he was really drawn to it was the fact that um, he's very fond of characters who believe the impossible is possible. And uh, the uh, main protagonist or heroine of this, uh, this story really kind of drew him in. And the fact Mm -hmm. that she's trying to get to, you know, do something that most people would be considered, you know, completely out there. So, and yeah, I mean, she's trying to go to the moon. (laughs) Pretty crazy. Fei-Fei, I believe, is the character's name, if we have confirmed here. But and I, I have to really say that the sketch that he drew of her is very adorable. It is. Oh, man. I am I bet there's going to be a bunch of uh, emerging platform content for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we will have to wait and see, but it is a very exciting development, and we look forward to uh, hearing any more stories about what's going to be, you know, future developments for this film, and uh, particularly in the, for the feature film itself and anything after that. Yeah, that's exciting. But oh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think that uh, pretty much wraps up news. So we're gonna go right into our main discussion topic and talk about uh, animation first French animation festival. So, as I said earlier in the podcast, Nina and Yvonne, you both had the opportunity to go. Um, Yvonne, uh, did you want to start with your uh, your experience of going to this festival? Like, what's I know there was expected to be a lot of like uh, different screenings. Like, you know, Red Turtle was supposed to be screened there, and a bunch of other major films uh what did you have the opportunity to do while you were there uh i was there pretty much through the whole weekend uh and uh yeah look out for um for a, a post um i'm putting together something like a sort of a write-up about uh, what i did there in a little bit more detail but um on friday there were three opening nights event opening night events and then uh yeah i was i was really i i i saw a good bit of it and i did a lot of chatting uh with the with the uh, the festival director, which is cool. I, I'm hoping that we can maybe work together. Animation Nights New York can work together with the uh, FIAF moving forward. 
Um, and so, and it, it was cool for, for the opening night events. Uh, we had some people from Annie there. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, yeah, we had some uh, people from the team uh, attending and, and, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of, I'll let Nina talk about the, uh, the, that first day of events, but I, I was able to see a lot of really beautiful content. I mean, honestly, since we started uh, Annie, um, it's been rare that we, that I've gone to festivals and really seen content as as high quality as as what was played there. Um, they had a you know a few little um, hiccups, which is which should be which you know is to be expected um mm -hmm. but the event was so well uh, attended and i think it really speaks to this sort of trend that's happening now uh this focus on animation for adults and and uh and the fact that people are really interested in seeing quality animation that's mm -hmm. not just for kids um it was it was nice to see such huge crowds um and there was yeah some really terrific content oh good yeah and thank this and i think from the uh, synopsis that I have of the uh, the event here, um, you know, not just like you know, U.S. premieres of feature films, uh, short films, mm -hmm. VR, uh, video games, and a bunch of other stuff. So, uh, did you get a chance? Since you're a big VR uh, person, Yvonne, did you get a chance to uh, see any of the VR installations? Yeah, I did. They had a, a room uh, set up uh, showing some Samsung Gear VR pieces, and uh, and then they had an oculus uh riff set up with it sort of a game demo that was a little bit more interactive which is cool mm. um i mean the content itself um <laughs> i here it comes <laughs> i have some issue with some of the content and um i in just feel like in VR um, mm. specifically, um, there was a piece on um, Velasquez, and there was a heteronymous uh, Bosch piece, and I feel like um, there needs to be a more thoughtful approach to um, the medium and and how it relates to the subject, and um, mm. and I think there needs to be a little bit more testing with a lot of these pieces. People are are quick to sort of push them out and um, get them seen um, because, you know, people are looking for funding and people are looking for content. And I think there's pressure to do that. Um, but it's important, especially if you're covering um, painting, <laughs> hmm. um, to make sure that you can sort of see, you're just using the best uh, approach possible. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what winds up happening with a couple with those two pieces in particular is, um, you know, you just you wind up feeling like you're being pulled through some sort of uh, like a blurry wax museum experience. Okay. And um, with no emotional um, pull, and and it's sort of it's almost an insult to the content. You know, I mean, Velasquez created paintings that were mind bending. <laughs> so what a great subject, you know what I mean? Like what a great subject to delve into um, using VR. Mm -hmm. this, the, this what's was... the next step? You know what I mean? Like you need to really break it down and plan it and test it. And I don't think that's being done. And I hate to be critical of, of people's efforts. Um, and I know what's involved in, in, in putting some of these pieces together, but um, at the same time, 
uh, I don't know. It, again, we're trying to push for, you know, with any exchange, you know, we're trying to connect animators to projects. This is why. <laughs> okay, gotcha. You know? Um, That's a real shame, because, like, when I was looking at the program, which I have with me, mm -hmm. uh, that seemed really exciting to me, because it was just all about Las Meninas, and you're saying that, like, it's just not no anything? Like... No. No. Uh, it, it, they used... Um, uh, I'm probably... They used, like, a photometric um, technique, and so I don't... It, you, see, you have to experience the, the piece to see it, but it, it was just... Right. I wasn't... Um, and, you know, I do see a lot of VR, so I tend to be a little bit critical, but um, I think there's a lot more that could have been done. Um, and uh, I, I spoke with uh, a few people from our team about this, actually, but, you know, I was surprised that, like, you know, um, the Rose and I wasn't in the first part of the program. I mean, that's an older piece, but, and it's not French, but, you know, it's sort of loosely based on the Little Prince, you know, so I don't know. That was, I don't have a lot of criticism, honestly, uh, or a lot of critique, rather, for say the same word um, for for the festival. But um, regarding the VR content, I, I have mm. to um, I have to just say that you know more. I don't know. More needs to be done. I think people need to be a little bit more thoughtful. Yeah. Um, Hopefully this this could be an opportunity to like maybe since this is the first time this is the first year that they're having this festival there's probably still a lot more room to grow. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and it's not the festival's um, fault. I mean, I I don't know. I there's just it's an interesting time right now. I mean, we have these new emerging platforms. It's an interesting time. Oh, um, definitely. But the uh, yeah the the films were beautiful and and I have to say there are a couple things I had never seen before. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Day of the Crows. Have you, did you see? Uh, do you know anything about this film? Unfortunately, I do not, but I'd be happy to learn. Um, Let me find I mean, it in my handy-dandy program. Uh, <laughs> so I'm probably going to slaughter his name. Uh, Jean-Christophe uh, Desson, is that right? Um, beautiful film. I knew nothing about it, and I went in there um, just blind, and it, it just gutted me. It was beautiful, beautiful oh. film. Yeah, magical uh, film, beautiful animation, and um, yeah, it's lovely. And, and uh, there are a number of experiences like that. Uh, <laughs> I went to their uh, EMCA student lineup. Uh, they're they're calling it animated documentary shorts. And Ooh, uh, that looks yeah, cool. I wanted, see, I only got to go to the opening. Mm -hmm. That's all. I, you know, Yvonne was able to swing me a ticket for that, which was really awesome. But I really wanted to go to some of these other things. So they all sounded really fantastic. Yeah, the the EMCA um, lineup was it was a uh, there were select there was a certain number of student films that were selected uh, for basically they they gave the students. Um, the students came up with the subjects and the, and the, they tackled subjects that sort of happened around um, where they were studying. And um, people really just dove into really um, very personal subjects and um, hard-hitting subjects. Um, the films are really short, but and they worked with editors. But the end result, mm -hmm. um, it was lovely. I mean, they're just really, really terrific films. And I, I uh, yeah, I took notes um, through all of that. So you know, be able to 
um, give you a little bit more information this week. But I also went to um, the French Touch and Animation uh, panel. Ah, interesting. Although um, I have to say, you know, it's interesting. They talked about the French Touch, but, um, you know, as it pertains to sort of larger studios, it's funny because there's so many French films, you know, working in DreamWorks. <laughs> animators working in DreamWorks or other uh, that... You know, it, and they just sort of talked about, you know, what is the French touch? Can you recognize the touch of, you know, or the influence of a country? And, and I, you know, it's funny because I talked to a lot, some of the panelists afterwards um, and to Delphine, the, one of the directors of the festival, about how, you know, if you really want to see the French touch or, uh, or English touch or, you know, Italian touch, like... It, animated short film is really where that exists you know yeah. okay um, interesting studios you know it just you know emerges naturally because there are less sort of hands on the project you know it's really like sort of straight from the director and a small team that's and, true um, yeah you know? and yeah and in a, of course you know it's another you know reason for me to sort of push the importance of uh of animated short film um mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, the French helped work with Illumination on, like, the Minions movies and stuff. And, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is that the French touch? Right, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah, I will... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly it. Go ahead. Um, yeah, because re- this, is, this is coming from someone who's uh, more of a, you know, casual, casual animation fan. Because like, I'm, I'm normally, if I was, saw a like say an animated show or something that came out like was originally you know from you know France it wasn't marketed as such and it, it was you know basically you wouldn't really be able to tell like the what this is basically my first at least something that I eventually would learn would be was actually a French production even though it looked a lot more like Japanese production I think it was like it was like a Cartoon Network show that came out it was called uh Code Lyoko I think it was a while back oh yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. was a French that. That was a French uh, production, and uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's like mentioned that way the fact that it, because obviously that was a you know a production that was meant to go on tele- television, that probably had a lot more hands on it in terms of the design and elements of the actual you know that particular sh- that show in particular, but other stuff like you know that I've, I've seen since then that is French like um, I uh, there was a series on Netflix that I had an opportunity to watch like a few I think it was a few months ago uh, Walk Fu and then. Um, stuff like, you know, so the animated films we've had an opportunity to see, like, um, The Girl Without Hands, etc. It, it's it's kind of all over the board, I guess, depending on what kind of production it is. You'll, you know, like, what you, it's, you have to train to, dis, like, discern, like, what signs or, like, you know, if you can tell if an animation came from a specific country or not, because I, at least for me, I can't, I can't tell yet. I do think it's interesting how a lot of commercial French animation, as opposed to, like, independent French animation, is influenced by anime a lot, like things like Code Lyoko or Miraculous Ladybug. Or yeah. They were, uh, a French studio was teaming up with um, Tezuka Studios to work on an Astro Boy reboot, like a lot of things like that, which I always thought was really interesting how the commercial stuff kind of models itself after this more Japanese aesthetic. I Is think... It, yeah. Go ahead, Chris. I think growing up in the UK, we would have got a lot more... Uh, French animation on TV probably than mm. in the in the states. So we we had quite a lot of stuff that came from France, and there were included 
lots of French Japanese co-productions, which was quite a thing, like in the eighties and nineties, I think. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of my favourite kid shows from that era are actually French Japanese co-productions. Mm. Like before I knew what anime was, and it was sort of when. You know, when I was growing up a bit and learning about anime, I was like, well, these shows I used to like were kind of half anime or whatever. (laughs) Um, There was a show called Ulysses 31, uh, Mm -hmm. which was a retelling of the Odyssey in space. (laughs) It's got the most amazing theme song ever uh, and an annoying robot uh, called No-No. And there were... Mysterious Cities of Gold, which was amazing. <laughs> French Japanese co-production, and I think most of the most of the writing and stuff was on the French team. That's interesting. And, and, you, know, uh, you know, it's funny because when we and we talked about this during the the jam-packed uh, champagne. <laughs> that, that, not, that, like, that was insane. It was mobbed. Um, we we uh, carved out a little corner for ourselves and chatted about um, uh, minuscule and 3D. Um, mm-hmm. And but I was just looking at their little write up here on the website, and it, um, it's funny because we talked about Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars a lot. <laughs> there are a lot of influences, <laughs> and they um, mentioned this in the write up. But there were definitely sort of and maybe it's just me you know it's not something I was necessarily thinking of but as I was watching the film it did seem like there uh there's something about um the choices in the animation and the humor um in the animation that wasn't it wasn't Hollywood and it felt a little bit different than a lot of the American films that I've seen and and I don't know if 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 that is um something that you could consider the French touch but there was um something about uh because because everything is on purpose in animation and it's all you know 80 percent planning mm-hmm. um you know you you can it's not like it accidentally happened there so you know maybe this is part of part of uh the french touch or or french influence but there are a lot of moments where um it's almost like there were silly comedic um uh physical human physical humor in peppered in so you have like some animation had sort of more natural body mechanics and then some of it was, uh, but there was exaggeration kind of thrown in and little silly moments just in, and almost like slapstick, but just in, in sort of physical humor um, that were sort of peppered throughout it, which were really interesting. And, um, and I wondered if that wasn't um, sort of, uh, if they didn't have cultural suggest you know culture a cultural influence i don't know i mean of course it does you know but um it is interesting um yeah because like i'm trying to think of like french humor and like what that is like like i think of um this movie called um playtime and i'm trying hmm. to remember the director who made it uh, let me look it up Cause like I'm trying to think of like examples of like French humor and like, I'm not super familiar with the French sense of humor, but there's a, it's a uh, Jacques Tati mm. did a, a comedy movie in the, and 67 yeah. called playtime. And it's a fantastic movie. And it's, it's more about like how 
like modern society is kind of ridiculous, but there is a lot of like these really weird moments where it's just like the joke is how the chair makes a fart noise when you sit on it and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it's like very playful and kind of almost, I wouldn't say juvenile, but sort of silly um, more so than serious. Mm. But then also serious about other things. Like, I don't know, maybe I guess that is like a French thing. I, I can't really think of any other French comedic things I've experienced before. I don't know if you guys have. No, not really. Other Again, through only through any form of media that I've been you know, able to consume that, you know, like say Miraculous Ladybug and others, those, those kind of animated, you know, projects. I mean, other, other and obviously um, some live action films as well, but none of them have been comedies. Exactly. I mean, sometimes there will be, what's the movie that, um, that I remember watching way back when, um, Amelie. Was that mm-hmm. a, yeah, Amelie had comedic parts to it. Yeah. I mean, they, they did, that's like a, like a, it, like I get the sense of either the, the playful sense of humor, you know, kind of peppered in here and there. I, I, I guess I can kind of see well, in that, in that yeah. film as well, but still. And, and the thing, the thing is, um, what I'm, what I, what I'm, what I mean when I say that is not necessarily like, I don't mean like necessarily like the writing or just oh, okay. acting, but, but even like sort of in, um, in the animation itself and body. Right. Mechanics. Right. So like you'd have some of the ants and, you know, you have exaggeration obviously in all films or say like a film like Pixar, which is, ugh, you know, they have like a much larger budget and like many, many people sort of working on that. And the, you know, there are elements of that they probably have to do, um, with uh sort of the end result of 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 the film that you know there were probably limitations that minuscule had um you know who knows i mean i don't know i'm just kind of guessing but it definitely there's a different sort of feel um Mm-hmm. And, uh, but what you would have, okay, so like in Pixar, you have, you know, everything, the body mechanics are like painstakingly added, right? So even the stuff that's, yeah. um, I mean, everything that's exaggerated is exaggerated and has, you know, beautiful arcs and is, you know, painstakingly created, um, stuff that's stiff has body mechanics, you know, organic, uh, stuff, you know, that's in there and arcs that are tracked and all of this stuff. And, um, and minuscule is funny because they, there was a lot of the, the animation, there, there was natural animation and there were moments of natural animation. Um, say like, for instance, when that metal, there was a metal box that falls down and the, the, you know, an ant is, is hit and then it kind of like, um, uh, recovers from the hit. And, and there's, there's a lot of really natural motion and <laughs> just huh. the one, you know, movement of the ant sort of moving around or, or uh, then you have, you know, other insects that are moving around and, and they seem organic. And then it's almost like a different style is kind of peppered in. And suddenly you have like for humor, you know, exaggerated jumps that just go straight up and down. <laughs> That's hmm, almost yeah. like, they like almost look mechanical and you're like, what? You know, and, and it adds to, but it's done on purpose and it adds to, um, the kind of it creates a sensibility almost you know or seems to um express a sensibility that it just i found it really fascinating because yeah it's something that stood out to me you know it's not like i wasn't looking for it you know it stood out but not in a negative way like it's definitely on purpose you know what i mean um 
um, you know, it's not like you didn't go like, oh, wow, well, they really. It was an interesting more animators. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting I, blend of styles. It was a blend. Yeah, it was a blend of styles, but it wasn't even a silly blend. Like they were peppered in a moment. Those those uh, sort of moments of uh, kind of different style of animation were kind of peppered in uh, just the right time. I don't. Know, I mean, the film itself was uh, it was epic. <laughs> yeah. So Miniscule was the first film of the festival. It was on Friday night. I got a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I can't say so much about the animation, Poor more man. so than the story, because it was in 3D. And they use these very funky 3D glasses that I've never used before. They were like these multi-plane 3D glasses, and they had to oh, wow. be aligned in a certain way. And mine were broken. Oh, <laughs> no. yeah. And I was like stuck in the middle of the theater. And it's like, it's a very kind of low, intimate theater space. And like, it was the first movie. And I didn't want to like get up and disturb like 12 people and then everybody behind them just so I could go change my glasses. So I just kind of sat through the whole 89-minute film without the glasses on. Oh, oh Nina. Bummer. <laughs> um, I know. So, like, I was really interested in a lot of this stuff when I was talking with Yvonne about it because, like, there was so much I just could not see. Um, so I could really only focus on, like, the narrative elements of the okay. film more so than the the stylistic elements of the animation. Uh, I wish you would have complained, but I'm not sure I would have either. Yeah, because it's like, it's the first movie of this first film festival, and it's like, (sighs) I don't want to, like, bother everybody. Because, like, it's the kind of theater where if you get up to leave, the entire theater just has to, like, deal with you because everything is, like, so low to the ground. But um, it, it was, it was a very cute little movie um <laughs> i was surprised by how long it was you know, it was a full feature length yeah. independent film about these little we didn't tell you guys the plot it's about mm-hmm. ladybugs um in this like mountainside field and it stars our little ladybug protagonist and they get separated from their family because of some mean flies and they actually lose one of their wings so they can't fly anymore and so they Aww. get um, there was a picnic that was abandoned by some humans, and so the ladybug's just kind of wandering around, and it runs into this giant thing of sugar, and then it's all these ants. And so they, it goes on this epic journey to the ant hill with these ants while they're being chased by red ants, and there's a war, and he learns to fly again, and it's like this whole... Yeah, oh, wow. It's very much, I mean, it, it's reminiscent of definitely had some Star Wars moments for sure. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I mean, like, but also like, uh, um, oh shoot, I'm spacing on the name. Like, like well, Heart of Darkness. I mean, it was epic. Like, you just feel like, oh, this is gonna, whoa, what's happening now? You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, man, this movie, I thought, like, there would be all these moments when I thought it was over, but it wasn't, and it was just more, and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, or story. Not Apocalypse Now. Yeah, or, uh, or, uh, Apocalypse Now, Bugs Edition. <laughs> yeah, exactly, or, um, what's another really epic, long film where, like, did the journey just continue, um, the odyssey <laughs> watership down chris <laughs> it's not as sad as watership down it's a pretty no. movie there, i think there are a few things that are as sad as watership down animals are far wood 
Oh, okay. No, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, traumatized. You, you got me there. Yeah, and the, and the film was like it was live action backgrounds, but hey. then you know all the bugs and stuff were three D. But they oh, were like very cool. simplified, like in some ways, like the texturing, like looking at screenshots, like the texturing on them is is like more realistic. But then they have these really silly like bug eyes that don't look real at all, you know? Oh, so not like um, so they're not like human caricature eyes. They're but they are they're they're still bug eyes, but they're not like realistic bug eyes. No, they're I, I guess when I mean bug eyes, I don't mean like actual bugs, but I mean like bug eyes and like they're like big white eyes, eyes with little dots. Oh, okay, so they are kind of like a human caricature kind of like just really big eyes. Okay. Yeah. But the rest of them is like a regular bug. It's just their eyes that are kind of little. That's interesting. Yeah. Um and they they I like the way they moved um, especially the different species of ants, because we have the good red ants and then the, the evil, the evil red ants, and they totally moved differently and like had different like body language because they had, were like different. Like partly part of that played into their character, but also part of that was like pretty accurate to biology too, which I you know I, I lived in Florida for a long time, so I've spent a lot of time thinking about ants. <laughs> if you've ever been down there, that's kind of a preoccupation you have because ants are kind of a, a daily concern. Yes. Um, so they, I, I really like the way that they animated the red ants versus the black ants um, yeah. and the body language that they had. Oh gosh. I love it when films do that, when it comes to, when they, when you definitely know that they're paying attention to this, you know, at least they're putting a lot of effort when, like a lot of the stuff that they're doing, animation or whatnot, or even just like if it comes through in the writing, if it's if it relates to actual nature. Yeah, they did a lot of research that seemed to support the story, and then and then there was you know there are all kinds of there are all these notes on like perspective, and then in friendship, and you know breaking you know like moving across lines like there are this you know <laughs> the ant ladybug friendship which like and in like through all the drama and the trials there come out changed and there's like sort of a hero's journey element in it. and um it also kind of reminded me of that film hostels <laughs> wow. like so no seriously just because it's like they go you know they're camped out at one point with their the you know booty that they're trying to like they've got this this you know load of sugar cubes they're trying to get home and you know all of these trials um happen along the way and and uh it's just like one thing after another with you know with some with humor thrown in as well um yeah it was an epic film <laughs> i'm i'm looking at some screenshots from it and yeah i see what you mean about the eyes they're basically googly eyes yeah, they're little googly eyes. And uh, for me, it was like they had three eyes the whole time. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but they were cute. Apparently, this started off as a TV. There was a TV series, Minuscule, on French TV oh. in 2006, and then the film came out in 2013. Hmm. And this is its US premiere. I, I take it. I, don't, I think it's been out a while. Because uh, really? I, I think it's like, I think it's, I think over here it's like on Prime or Amazon Prime or something oh, like that. Okay. It's been out. It's been out for a while, and it's it's screened at other festivals like uh, the New York Children's mm. uh, International mm. Film Fest and things like that. Like year, 
like in past years so yeah well, that's i'm glad it had uh i'm glad it played again it, it's definitely worth watching it's yeah it's, it, it was really oh. sweet and you know it's it's not every day you see like a feature fa- feature length indie film Mm-mm. animated 3d animated indie film that's like feature length um I mean, they were there were some really lovely sh- there was some really lovely shot composition even even though it was fuzzy for me like I could still appreciate <laughs> like the way that the wheat blew in the wind and and like the just how big the world seemed to these little bugs um it was really well done in that respect yeah yeah the perspective and the sound was really interesting too um oh yeah because there, there was no a- dialogue yeah, there's a really? lot of exaggerated, strange sounds and use of um, mechanical sounds, and um, like the flies were were like uh, motorcycle, yeah, motorcycle gangster. Oh my god, that's perfect! And, and the ladybugs were like yeah. a trumpet, kind of like a off-tune trumpet. <laughs> or actually, the ladybug it reminded me of that. Um, what's the instrument from the World Cup? That really annoying. Oh, this is, the, yes. oh my god! Yeah. I think that's what it was. It, it had yeah. he had that kind of instrument, and then um, yeah, the oh, it communicated really cool. via Morse code and um, like whistling. Yeah, oh. yeah. And uh, it was really interesting. And, and and there was a lot of robotic sounds and sort of creature sounds for the best. Again, some of that, uh, it definitely sort of was hats off to Star Wars and uh, Empire Strikes Back. And, and like part of it's because like bugs don't really make sounds usually. So like they could be more creative with like what point. kind of sounds do these bugs make since, you know, they're not talking or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, go ahead. I feel like that's a French thing the silent <laughs> humor i feel like that is what i think of with french the french sense of humor really uh i think of things like belleville rendezvous which i think in oh, america yeah. is called uh, triplets of belleville mm-hmm. which oh, is, yeah yeah which is uh very very french and it's got no dialogue and i think there's hardly any dialogue in the illusionist i haven't seen it it's the same right. director um and the minions, you know, uh, go. It's they don't. That's speak. true. The minions are like that. And that's I. I feel like that's. I'm obviously that's not the entire sense of French humour. I'm sure there's you know witty stuff that we don't understand because we don't speak French. <laughs> but I I think that is quite a French tradition of like mime, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I really like humor. Say that. <laughs> Right, because they were hilarious. It was really cute whenever they talked to each other because they just made like these ridiculous noises and their mouths kind of turned into these like little trumpety things. It was like, like it was like so silly. Yeah. Uh, There's a sequel in production, Minuscule 2. Oh, Oh, wow. Where's the story going to (laughs) go? I'm like, (laughs) it wrapped up so well. Maybe it's the next generation. Mm. It's called Minuscule De. La mandibule de, bo- de monde. I know de monde means the world. Is mandible? Does that mean ants? I don't know. Uh, the ants go around the world. I don't know. <laughs> but it's a global ing- globe-trotting adventure with insects. Oh, I, yeah. oh I, right. The English title is minuscule mandibles from far away. That's what it is. Well, that's the thing. They did a lot with perspective. Like even in the very beginning, there was um a bug, a Volkswagen bug, 
um, if my memory serves me, um, that was uh, just a tiny dot in um, this beautiful, expansive, um, you know, scene, gorgeously, like really well, sh like beautifully shot. And, uh, and then you kind of like zoom in and you see like sort of the human level, you know, it's like pregnant woman having baby, they leave the camp, camp uh, picnic, like, you know, exposed. <laughs> oh, wow. And, okay. and, yeah. And open this door of opportunity for this whole other world. And then you zoom in again and, um, and then, you know, the sound sort of changes and, and you um, enter the world's uh, uh, of the, of the insects, which is, you know, every now and then they are interacting with objects that, um, you know, are human. And then you're sort of reminded of that change in perspective um, and it was really interesting, like from the beginning, that seemed to be kind of a running theme throughout. Uh, and uh, it was tied together really well. And, and uh, too, the story, um, as Nina mentioned, was, was tied up uh, neatly <laughs> at the end. It was good. There's another really um, great thing that I saw on Sunday uh, was uh, another very much like the EMCA student uh, and I'll, we could, we should put these up as show notes because they actually did a really great job of um, documenting the names of the films as well. Um, okay. You know, like there's a lot of info in, in this, uh, in the festival, uh, uh, festival webpage. Okay. But Surrealist Poems of uh, Robert Desnos. Yeah, that also looked really good. I wanted to yeah. watch that too. No, it was beautiful. I mean, there's something... <sighs> It's amazing. It's really, I don't know. I took a lot of notes for all of this. So for my write-up that I'm working on, but um, you know, there's something about, you know, animation as an art form can cover anything, but mm -hmm. then when you combine it with surrealist poetry. <laughs> yeah. And that seems so French to me, this idea. Yeah. <laughs> French animation. Cause like, is also very tied to like French comics like French mm. comic book tradition too. Mm -hmm. And also there's such support for the arts and for cinema. And I think that is the real, like this is the kind of exercise that you would do like in school, you know? Yeah. And um, this is something that sort of, a, I think there's room for and space for, um, you know, I mean, we do the best we can here in the U.S. <laughs> but everything right. is sort of about like funding and the bottom line and it, it becomes very limiting, you know? And um and I think that, uh, you know, it's something that it's just it's interesting when, when you're combining like animation with this surrealist poetry, you create a third element mm -hmm. in a way that um, you don't necessarily if you're I mean, you do the same thing if you're working on documentary or or something that's a little bit more straightforward or narrative. But the, this is different, you know, because the approach then be, you know like how do you approach something that's uh surrealist and add images to it do you some of them it was interesting some of some of the filmmakers um were very like described things uh that were happening in the poem and because it was surrealist poem um they th those that sort of um that approach uh, created one kind of world and then you know another filmmaker would take the poem and then add their interpretation of the poem and create a narrative around that interpretation hmm. and so the third element that was then created for the audience for the viewer was something entirely different 
Interesting. And it really made you think about perspective and then what influences your own thoughts about things and, and your own sort of interaction with the world, interface with the world. It's like, it's very expressive, like, mm -hmm. like very purely expressive. Like it's not necessarily like trying to communicate to you one thing or the other. It's just like showing you this visualizing ideas, visualizing feelings and, and, thoughts sometimes well, yeah but what's fascinating about that is that there's so much planning and and effort oh yeah exactly i'm not saying so, it's like it's not obviously you have to like storyboard it out and plan what you're going yeah. to do, but like it, it's it's like this different way of being able to see yeah exactly but it doesn't feel that way in the end it's fascinating it, it really is and, it, and i think it's um it just you wind up with a, a just a different kind of uh and result, you know, when you use this kind of um, subject matter, I think um, it was it was they're beautiful pieces though, um, and and I'd like to I need to go through and uh, I'll probably be doing way too much research work, like trying to rewatch <laughs> and um, some of these films and look at uh, other things from the filmmakers to see what they're working on now. But um, really beautiful pieces. Another cool thing that they had set up, and, and I mean, I don't know how I feel about it as uh, anyway, whatever. It's cool and interesting, and I, it would be nice <laughs> yeah. to incorporate it with animation. Nice New York too. Is they had like an AR um, um, exhibition, sort of. They were um, basically you have an an app called iJack and um there are plenty of other ones too but this is the one that they used and you download the app to your phone and then you uh, hmm. look at the, an image which triggered content um via the app so there's i uh uploaded a few things to um my instagram but um i know i want to in include those little videos just point them through right up but um because they're cool the animation is beautiful and they're like little uh gif uh loops but really, you know, beautifully polished and well done. So you have one still image, you put your phone over it, and then suddenly the animation kind of comes to life. Oh, wow. Yeah, really beautifully done. And and um, I would like to see this sort of integrated with other things. I mean, right now, the the it's very isolating and strange to go into, you know, a room with posters, then download an app, then look at it. And you're kind of like looking at your phone, like you would all the, we all need to sort of get away from that. Maybe, you know, everyone looks at their phone too much. So that it just seems a little isolating and weird, you know, um, that was my impulse, but that, again, it has nothing to do with the like festival. This is just like an emerging critique of the emerging platform. <laughs> all right. No, <laughs> you know? hey. Same with the VR, you know, it's just like not the festival was beautiful and it was really cool that they had this there, but, um, this is just my little, um, you know, mini critique on, on the use of an app and the use of your phone. Like I would hope that there would be some sort of, uh, I, you know, interaction or, or maybe this is something that, you know, happens at points around the city and the content changes, you know what I mean? So there's like a little bit of a sense of um, community somehow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And sharing, you know? Um, but um, that said, the, the content was really great. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty neat. I have to say like content wise. And then I got to see, I didn't get a chance to see the um, big screen uh, screening of the Red Turtle, but I did see the um, making of the Red Turtle. Definitely. I know. And it was packed, which was fantastic. Because I believe um, that actually was free. 
Oh, was it? Yeah, I oh. think the making of presentation was a free event. Oh, that's great. Yeah, they had a number of free. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm seeing it here. Um, they had a, a number of free uh, events during the festival. Um, so I guess this is one of them. But yeah, that's good. Well, still, it's great that it was um, packed. Really nice facility, too. The, uh, the FIAF, uh, I, I hadn't ever been to uh, any to the to the building before i think they have the whole building um and I lots of so. really terrific yeah facilities but um it was a it was a nice talk uh yeah it sounds like there was uh, some champagne some champagne around there while you're watching some animated films well, wait, so, so after the first film <laughs> <laughs> It was too packed by the time. I don't know who. I'm like maybe insane. they left before the film was over. They must have, because like, <laughs> like after minute school, it was like then it was like a little reception, and they had like really nice food and wine and drinks and stuff for kids too. And nice. I didn't get any much of it because it was just like it was so <laughs> packed, like you could yeah, not move. It was mob. The reception was free, and like. I mean, I managed to like score a juice a juice box. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like the bar was like it was it was super intense. There was a lot of people there. Oh wow! If yeah. they do it again, they're gonna have to get like a bigger venue because it was kind of overwhelming. <laughs> was, wow! Yeah, it was really exciting. It was exciting to see, and and again, you know, I think it just points to. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, I, I think animation is something that um, uh, the FIAF isn't necessarily focusing on regularly, but um, obviously, you know, if they've begun this festival and, and uh, you know, I like I said, I, I, I want to work with them um, moving forward. They they knew about Animation Nights New York, too. And, they did! And, uh, oh, that's great! Yeah, Delphine was like, we've been trying to get a hold of you. I'm like... <gasps> Okay, I am the only Ivanka Kovic in the whole world. <laughs> Last name has a lot of letters, and most of them are silent, but... No, I'm just kidding. I, I really, I do, uh, yeah, I look forward to um, to working with them on something, because, again, the animation was just so wonderful, and um, it's really beautiful films. Uh, the other thing that was kind of neat, um, although I would... I, 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 can't speak. Sorry. I... I uh, I was a little bit late to it um and i kept getting caught up in conversation <laughs> but um terry gilliam and tim uh olive's 1884 yesterday's future yes so it was this is like a work in progress uh that tim had been working has been working on for quite a while and they're sort of looking for um funding and we just we saw some animatics and plans for it and then uh some some puppets um i if anyone's interested in um if there are any puppeteers out there by the way who'd like to uh get in touch um please uh contact uh, well you can contact me if you want and i can um put you in touch but um they will be looking for some puppeteers and um, I don't know about animation exactly, but it it looks like a really interesting project. It's going to be like this combination of puppets and uh, sort of stop 
kind of stop motion, live action. Anyway, mm-hmm. whatever. It looks like a very interesting project, you know? Like, um, it's, you know, it's Terry Gilliam's. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. So that was really, really, uh, really cool. And the other thing that was great is every, all the panelists uh, that were there um, were very accessible and, and um, took time to really talk to everyone. So that, that that's was, excellent. It was really great. Um, yeah, I had an opportunity to pretty much chat with everybody um, who spoke. Uh, really lovely, lovely people. Uh, and then I did go to see. Uh, mo- I had to actually skip out the very, very end. So I missed the last. How many? The last. Oh, I missed just the last film. So sorry, Petsburg Jean. <laughs> um, well, I'll have to check that out uh, online or find it later. But um, are most of these would most of these be able to be seen online? Or is, I just want to make sure I confirm that it's like if people are curious about seeing at least getting an idea of what some of these films look like if they haven't yeah. haven't seen them already. Like, would you say like would be able to find trailers for them online uh, or? I don't I'm not know. sure, but I will know. Um, like I said, I got a bunch of um, notes that I've transcribed and and um and i'm gonna go through again and do a little bit more research on the editor so as i do I'll, I'll make a running list that we can post along with the uh um what the result all right sounds good <laughs> okay yeah because um really terrific films i mean oh and then erotic shorts that was the yeah i was ah, like yes <laughs> Yeah, so the, that was the second thing for the mm-hmm. opening night was the erotic shorts. Um, so yeah, they had like this family movie and then the, the ga- and then like the reception and then erotic shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, they were really great. <laughs> I like, I was, it was really fun. Um, there was, let's see, there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine films wow. in the screening. So it was like a 78 minute screening and they really ran the gambit um there was uh, i don't know like how do uh, it's hard like how do you start talking about a collection of shorts (laughs) um well well, it's funny because we actually there was one film in the mix that we played at annie and yeah that one was amazing yeah which one was that um delphine uh Uh, daphne or the lovely specimen ah Daphne, Daphne, not Delphine, Daphne, Daphne or the lovely specimen about sex Sil- work. Yeah, it's directed by Sylvain Derosne and Sebastien Ladenbach. Um, and it's this movie about it's they, they they interviewed this woman who's worked as a um, like a stripper or a prostitute, and it's like her story of like why she got into this what is it like what are her feelings about her job mm-hmm. and the animation is like stop motion of like nature and it's like it starts with this tree and then the tree gets cut down and then it's like carved into and like made into like this form and then like broken up again and then it's like animating leaves and hmm. I, I think stuff. i've seen this i think on one of the um when when I oh, was going through, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I I had I watched all those shorts and that was yeah. one of them. Oh That's right, yeah, okay, yeah. now it's coming yeah. back to me. Yeah, we saw. Yeah. yeah, this was one. Yeah, okay. Not yeah. this, not the last. I think not last year, but the year before. I think. Before, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful film. Um, 
And and it taught. There's another film about prostitution as part of the EMCA student shorts. And and what what really um, really is interesting about both of them is it's sort of it's a non-judgmental um, take on sex workers, you know, and yeah. in the way that that animation can in like no other medium. It, it's it really it humanizes the <laughs> the choices that um, people make, you know? I mean, you know, you don't come away from it feeling, uh, it's it's not preachy, you know? And, it, and it's not, okay. um, yeah, like it, it, it celebrates it, it, human beings, you know, and, and, and not, uh, yeah. Yeah, cause she like, it's her story. And like, she mm-hmm. talks about like the humor of it, the parts that can be kind of heartbreaking, the, the more stimulating parts and how like she feels more connected to people by having this job and like, and, and like using that like greater metaphor of like nature and trees and plant life is right. like this connection to like this world beyond you. But then also this idea of like being of decay and like being broken yeah. up into pieces and mm. You know, like it was really effective. Yeah, and there was a moment where one thing that's fascinating about that film in particular is it is the length of it. There's a moment, and and maybe maybe this is just my take on it personally, but my feeling um, there's a moment in the film where you think it's going to end, and then there's sort of like an extra. I don't know, minute or minute and a half um, where there's like the river and it talks about love. And yeah. it's at that point where, cause it also doesn't glorify um, the sex worker, sex work industry either. Um, but she does say, you know, that she enjoys her job, but then it's almost like it exposes this part of the speaker that um, is just so utterly human where it's almost like she, there's a little tiny, kernel of doubt maybe or Mm -hmm. or she thinks about you know where her life is in the way that all of us do you know yeah at whatever point in our life but um and it almost sort of seems to coincide um for me with that extra little bit of film at the end (laughs) so it's almost like there's this kind of uncomfortableness that um comes through and it's subtle and um uh yeah i it's, it's just a beautiful film i mean i've watched it often and so, um, you know, this time around, that's something that really struck me. But um, and also, there's a lot of humor. Like, there's this whole, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of humor in the film, and it's beautiful and, and heart wrenching. Mm, yeah, great piece. It's a really gorgeous, like, personal meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, we definitely needed that film to break up the the program yeah. because. The thing about watching a themed program is sometimes it can get a little repetitive and like more different approaches to the theme. And since this one was more abstract and wasn't like explicitly sexual, it kind of like helped break out the pacing. Okay. A lot of like the more, the films that were more just like. (laughs) Sex. Sex. Are Sorry. we are we uh, family friendly? This podcast? Are we explicit? <laughs> we, will, we will be making. Um, I think for this episode in particular, for this part, because I mean, uh, this is part of the festival, so we'll make sure to leave like a uh, little warning sign, like in the in the show notes there, like okay, right here. If you have, you know, you know, 
don't want to listen. Like this is just skip to this bit here, but you know, but yeah, we can we can yeah. be a little explicit here if you like. Because I mean, the films were very explicit and um, you very know. much so. Yeah, so it was like, but also know. very artistic. Yes, yeah. about how like some of them more so than others. Like, mm-hmm. I think an- another film that we both really liked was. Um, I don't actually know what it's called. I don't remember the name of the movie, but it's there the one with the, the guy where, you know, his arm falls off at the end. Oh. Do you remember Ooh. what that one's called? Because I'm looking at the list right now. I'm like, I can't okay. tell which one it is. Um, I'm looking at the wrong list. It was... I think it, no, that's not it. That's not it. Was it not full of... More? Maybe it's that one. So his arm falls off at the end? Oh, so beautiful. Okay, so like backing up. So this movie, it, it, or this film, it starts with this guy. This one does have dialogue too. And it starts with this guy. He gets a phone call from an old lover and she comes up and she's like, I want to have sex with you or I want to make love with you. And he's like, why? We're not together anymore. And she's like, because it's always nice when we do it. And he's like, okay. And so he goes over to her place and they have this really, really interesting lovemaking scene, uh, which makes up the majority of the film. And it's okay. like, um, like it's, it doesn't even start off very normal. Like she has this lingerie that's like made out of running water. Mm-hmm. And like, it's very symbolic and like, and there's like a bit when when they're making love, it like kind of goes into like, he's at a door of a house and he like Hmm. goes inside this house Hmm. and like he's inside the house while presumably, I guess he's, yeah, um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so like, but, and he's like wandering around this house, which is also her, but it's not very comfortable. Like it's almost like doesn't belong there and he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. And then there's this really beautiful moment where, like, after they're done, she, like, reaches to, like, grab his, to, like, just kind of, like, pat his arm or something. And his mm-hmm. arm kind of turns into, like, water or a ghost. And, like, it, she, it, she can't touch him. And huh. then he leaves. And they, like, they tell this lie to each other where they're like, oh, I'm seeing somebody. I'm seeing someone, too. And then they leave. He leaves. He goes home. He takes the bus. He goes back to his apartment. And then he looks out the window and his arm falls off. Um. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting. And that, and the animation kind of changes style in that moment again, too. Um, when The moment with the house, when they're like, it's like um, sensual and morphing and um, like passionate and yeah they're obviously losing themselves in one another but the moment with the house is they're they're also kind of isolated from each other yeah and he but he has this baggage this like two bags that he like drops before he goes into the house that looks very almost juvenile and it's so simplistic with just line drawings and then you wonder Mm. like yeah is he oh it's a house and it's like is this like some sort of strange freudian 
thing, but then he goes in and is he trapped or does he want to be there? It's like you, all of these questions kind of come out in this moment and you really think about, you know, what their relationship is or why it could be destructive and yeah, why it's like at the same time stopped. comforting. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's definitely, you know, about these two people who are um, drawn together um, and probably not the most, uh, for not the most healthy reasons. And you just wonder about the layers of, you know, that exist. <laughs> yeah, like there's a, story. There, there's a whole yeah. story to these characters that you're yeah. not seeing, but it's implying oh, yeah. through how it's presenting itself. And yeah, and in such a in a short film, you know, in a short animated film, and it's and, so very effective. And the arm thing, like the audience was a lot of the audience was very confused. Like they like audibly were like, were like, what? Huh? Huh? What? But like it 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 makes sense. Like it's a, it's a it punctuates the whole encounter because Definitely. you get this feeling of just like how empty he feels or like disconnected he feels to even himself or maybe you know, empty without wants. her i mean you get the impression yeah. that she calls the shots in the very beginning and um and he you know she may be the one seeing other people but what this is doing to him is um heavy you know and much yeah. runs much deeper and and you know so there's this you know element of of loss at the end and and you're not 100 percent sure what that is but definitely his arm falls off yeah his <laughs> arm falls off the <laughs> but yeah beautiful film but it's funny because like some of the films too were like very um you know, extremely explicit, but, you know, that one film that was in sand, animated with sand, you know, it was like one yeah. of the most, uh, um, I think it, it was in your face, like, I think, yeah, it was like parties and lighters and matches and fucking and, you know, genitalia and, and like jobs. people talking about, rela- it, it's like these, yeah. this, they're at a party <laughs> and it's these two, it's guy and this girl who are like flirting <laughs> Meanwhile, all the dialogue is like other people at the party talking about other relationships. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's yeah. such a, you know, she's been with him and, oh, they're bound to break up. And you know how when guys are like this and all this dialogue's going on while these two are like trying to have this connection. Mm-hmm. And then, but it was all about sex, you know. It oh yeah, it was all about sex, sex and drinking and smoking and um and and that and, like there was no there was no whole nothing was held back, you know. No. It was in sand. <laughs> the coolest. But it was it was almost like the characters were like weren't really interested because like the, oh, the yeah. background voices were talking about like more relationships and cheating, yeah, and exactly. But these yeah. two like didn't want anything to talk. They just wanted to hook up and have exactly. a good time. Exactly. Yeah, and that was the whole. The, and that was the contrast that was so cool um, and just wild. Yeah, because it, it really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they were not as much as um, people were talking. The the sort of the contrast and the um, what's the word the. Uh, irony of it is you know yeah they were just they were like there was this animalistic (laughs) like you know core like of sex it's like sex acts yeah and smoking and drinking we just want to have sex we don't really care about all this other nonsense like we yeah and then we're gonna have a nice time yeah yeah, right (laughs) and and then the but then there was in the middle of it that um strange spiral staircase scene that um you know uh, seem to i don't know represent you know a path or a winding path or you know just sort of uh maybe i don't know who knows maybe to me i thought like oh it's this like what does this lead to or i don't know i mean maybe i was overthinking but i don't think so 
Maybe. Like, I mean, there was the implication that, like, it's never just sex. Yeah. Almost, like, yeah. that's sort of, like, what the people... The yeah. People like, there's a residue find. that you can't quite, um, which was, uh, which was really, maybe, you know, that was part of the, the audio, uh, the audio comments, you know, it's like this residue, this sort of ripple effect of the, of the acts that we participate in. Oh, yeah. It's really mm. pretty cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there was the, the two more comedic ones also stood out. One was Tram. Oh, yeah. That one was hilarious. It was really good. And, it, you know, it's it's just like this lady who operates a tram that has some very phallic controls and she just, <laughs> you know, gets very excited. And <laughs> um, I don't know. It's about finding the joy in what you do, I guess. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, but it also, it spoke to, I mean, they all spoke to, uh, it spoke to human sexuality and how it's always part of, you know, yeah. Yeah. we don't have a choice in the matter. We're sexual, for the most part, m- most of us, I guess there, there are certain people, you know, whatever, there's a spectrum, right? But yeah. um, for the, the majority of human beings are sexual creatures and, and uh, because <laughs> the controls become phallic in the end and she has a passion and love for her job <laughs> yeah but and she um definitely um sort of feeds off of the they're all gentlemen that that come in and that's what she sort of focuses on and it's it's told from her perspective yeah it's her fantasy yeah it's it's her fantasy but then you know it's but then, you know, in the end, she sort of finds um, someone who has the same, maybe the same appetite she has. But there's a lot of really great use of, um, obviously, exaggeration. Animation is beautiful. And um, use of color. <laughs> um, yeah. There's So the color, the sort of pink, <laughs> everything's in black and white, except for the sort pink. of areas that are like, buttons and, and cards being you know put um, into holes into slots and <laughs> and uh and um you know penises real or imagined and ears and blushing and uh you know oh and then a uh, cat's <laughs> a little cat you know like tongue and asshole <laughs> all in pink <laughs> oh yeah she almost runs over a cat and then <laughs> the cat itself. is like cleaning yeah. itself <laughs> Oh my god! So, yeah, it's really cool, and, <laughs> but and, it's yeah. very cartoony. Like some of them are very cartoony. Some yeah. of them were a lot more like detailed and explicit. Like this one was very more on the cartoony side, and it was more mm-hmm. like you know, it wasn't as explicit in the sense where like everything was like represented something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and this yeah, was more like yeah, and the- yeah, it did. You know, that's the yeah. thing. Like it definitely it tackled all these films. Definitely like tackled. Um, you know human sexuality um i do agree with nina about the theme thing that was something that i mean that's why uh bringing animation nights new york into this um that's kind of the reason why we never really had a theme <laughs> um yeah because you wind up painting i don't know you have to be very 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 careful not to sort of let these films um sort of become something else you know, they did a really yeah, nice job blend together life, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then you have to worry about like diversity like it's, yeah. that was one thing with this collection yeah. of films there was a lot of body diversity which mm-hmm. was really nice but there wasn't a lot of sexual diversity it was all right. pretty much uh, heterosexual. hetero 
Yeah, I mean, that's why we were all kind of waiting for um, uh, Nina and Josh and I were waiting for um, All Their Shades, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which, we played, um, which we played at Annie. And, or, um, but um, yeah, great, great lineup though. Yeah, really nice selection. And, and there's just something really cool about being in this kind of close quarters with all these strangers watching these kind of movies together and it not really being <laughs> a thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's, uh, that's great. Beautiful. That's film. really cool. That was all, that was all on the first day. Yeah. They had the minuscule movie and then the erotic animation, uh, sorts. And then was that the full first day or is there? Yeah. With the party. Okay. Gotcha. And then like the, I didn't go to the other days, but I, it seemed like the VR was open throughout the festival Mm -hmm. and then they had, um, different screenings you mentioned um video games as well like in terms of like were these all like uh were more was it more associated with the vr installations than actual like video games or was it yeah i mean unless there was more to it i don't think so though um the video game aspect they're mentioning really is it's the invisible hours uh produced by tequila Works. so it's a it looks interesting it's a real-time they describe it as a real-time narrative VR experience. So um, that was the thing that was on Oculus. So it looked cool. I mean, I, I, uh, they just had a couple setups. Um, the game looked, looked interesting. I mean, it had your sort of like standard humanoid um, game engine uh, people, but the game itself, you, you know, you solve these murder mysteries. So it's kind of neat, the idea of sort of moving around a room and looking at clues. And you could move around the characters as they, you know, made their way on their own timeline to scene of a crime. So I did check that out a little bit. It looked, uh, it looked cool. I, I, I would uh, look at it a little bit more closely for sure. Awesome, thank you. Uh, try I, and play it. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, to say you said you're going to hopefully have uh, an, another piece written up uh, describing the event in a bit more detail. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have a lot of notes. That's one reason I'm kind of just. Uh, yeah, Yvonne's really good at writing in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That is an important skill to have, let me tell you. Yeah, it's so backwards. But I mean, I wind up, I take like a gazillion notes and then I transcribe my chicken scratch and then um, sort of piece it together. And I, it's way too many steps. I don't know what, I, I think I'm, I just like the, to torture myself, honestly. But, um, and then wind up doing a ton of research. And then in the end, you know, it's, I probably, I probably could lose a couple steps, but it's really interesting. It's all very interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll make sure. Um, well, um, if it's already out by the time this podcast goes up, we'll make sure to leave a link. If not, then it should yeah. be coming up sometime in yes. not too long after this goes up. But we'll 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 discuss that and we'll make sure that uh, our listeners know exactly when that they're more interested in uh, getting to the nitty gritty details uh, yeah. that they can look into that. Definitely. And we'll have links. Um, I'll make sure to, to give you that running list of, of filmmakers and films too. Cause thank uh, you. Thank it's you, thank you, thank you. so worth um, checking out really beautiful uh, content. I mean, I, I can't say that enough. Uh, this festival um, was, was beautiful work. It's beautiful work. Yeah. So thank you so much for uh, taking the time to come and, and talk, talk about it with us. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> But um yeah we'll make sure to make keep make sure everyone knows when that's when that article's going up and also um like you said er, you mentioned earlier in our discussion with uh Terry uh, Gilliam and uh Tim Olive's uh project 
uh, you said you're yes. looking for uh, puppeteer, puppeteers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. If, if they uh, want to get in touch, um, I'll be happy to to send along the info. People who uh, send a portfolio link, I guess, and um, you know mm -hmm. whatever you have online, because we can't just bombard them. Um, of course, yeah. If you have, uh, I spoke with them specifically about um, uh, puppeteers because I know a few people here in New York City who I know would be interested. Oh yeah, our our the puppet people we met during Best of Fest were the best people. I love puppet people. They're, puppet, the, they're so accountable. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the puppeteers. Yeah, I would like to do more for the next uh, our next festival with puppeteers. But anyway, that's all right. Later. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again very much for the discussion on uh, on this festival. We'll let's just keep everyone in the know. Um, We'll do a quick kind of wrap up, maybe just a light water cooler before we wrap up today's episode. So um, I know I have something that I recently saw that I would like to share. It has been a very busy week for me, but um, I uh, recently got a copy of the uh, the signature edition of uh, Walt Disney's uh, Bambi. Ooh. And I have seen this film so many times growing up. I pretty much know it scene by scene. But I was very, very happy to, like, as I was kind of, you know, looking through the DVD features, you know, when I was putting up to play the movie, there were several features. There was, like, a Disney Vision version along with the original theatrical version. And then the third one that caught my eye was, if I'm reading this correctly, um, it's basically called Inside Walt's Story Meetings Extended Edition, which mm -hmm. is a interesting um, way to frame the movie because sometimes it has, it has the movie playing. But alongside, it has images and little snippets where they're actually discussing how um, Walt Disney and uh, his team, who were working on this movie, would you know, their story meetings that they would have, which they had um, they had written down. Like they had someone literally writing, uh, typing all of the you know, everything that was said during these meetings down, and they have that saved in the uh, Disney archives. Oh wow! But they were able to recreate uh, the discussions by the filmmakers um, in this special feature. So you're literally watching the movie Bambi while listening to the voice, like, you know, not, I don't think it's the actual voice of Walt Disney, but it's uh, someone doing a very good interpret, you know, impression of him huh. um, and his other staff members as they're, you know, and what they actually said during these uh, story meetings. So like from the beginning of the film where he's talking about the multi-plane shot, introducing the setting mm. and you have Walt, you hear, you know, the voice of Walt, kind of talking over top of that and then you hear like you know other things like talking about the characters that they'll introduce how they're integrating music with um, a lot more so in some of their other films into the um, uh, telling of the story and other things like you know the discussion about whether or not they should show the shadow of man or just keep it as this um, ambiguous threat it was really kind of fascinating like how they framed that and then every now and again they would cut away to um you know other people within the Walt Disney Company or Disney Animation Studios talking about you know what would happen during these meetings and specifically during the production of Bambi and then some um, separate inspirations of like you know okay like we're going to take elements from like say Pinocchio and how we kind of humanize the cat and Figaro and see how we can exactly we can make that work with Bambi because we don't want it to lose the authenticity of you know that they were trying to go for and like trying to adapt real animal movements but still kind of given a humanistic quality so that you can still kind of uh you know kind of play around and have fun with it and there was a real like one thing one of my favorite bits of it was um when they were um in the sequence with Bambi experiencing his first snowfall mm -hmm. and uh 
there was a sequence where, um, and when you, obviously when Bambi's like first walking in the snow and having a little bit of a, you know, walking around falling in the snow, et cetera. And I think it, I think this was a line from Walt. Basically, he says like, you know, let the animators have a little fun with this <laughs> because it was just, you know, it, it, it's kind of, I like the kind of playfulness of it. The fact that it's just, you know, how they kind of approach this movie. And I, it's, when it comes to like, the storyboarding or putting together a film like having like hearing all of this of what some something that went into a film that i love dearly was a very special treat mm. oh wow That's something yeah you know it's uh, there was a, a talk um when was it? it was like last year or the year before um on uh on the use of color in the mm-hmm. film Mm-hmm. and the importance of color yes and uh oh so good uh, that film yeah that that film uh that film tears your heart out <laughs> oh it does and i think i remember like the exact scene with um the the, the scene that everyone remembers uh spoilers um <laughs> <laughs> you know when i was first saw it as a kid i did not know what was happening so i didn't cry because i was confused well yeah because you're confused i mean i think probably any kid first viewing is going to be a lot more confused until the realization hits. It's like, kind of like Bambi is like, she's running, she's running, you hear a noise and then you see Bambi by himself. And he's like, Oh, you know, it's like, we made it, we made it. It's like, and then she's not coming. It's like, well, what happened to her? And then it's not until the stag shows up. It's basically says she, she can't be with you anymore. It's like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> but it's, it was kind of interesting. Um, hearing at least in the story meetings in regard to that particular scene because they do like when that scene comes up they do talk about it and they even kind of allude to it a little bit when um she's first taking Bambi out into the meadow and she keeps him from running out and she kind of slowly like walks out into the meadow checking for danger and then I hear like <laughs> Walt like the the person who was playing Walt is like okay like make it a very tense scene like you know it's like she could be shot at any moment like kind of like alluding to what will happen later on in the film and it's like oh my goodness <laughs> and even like little things that the fact that they were having a lot of difficulty actually animating uh Bambi's mother to the point that they had a lot of her um they had it set up so a lot of her the scenes with her sometimes like she would be talking at Bambi and she would be off screen but they would like they would I mean that's you know they would still have scenes with her in it but they would they tried to they basically tended to shy away from that because she apparently was had a, gave them a little bit of trouble. Wow, yeah. it was good. Like I said, it's um it's because I've seen this film so often. Like I figured like I mean I, it's it's cool to have it on like a Blu-ray disc and be able to like experience it in all its glory. You know without the extra con- even without the extra extended edition content, but it really kind of just put the film in a new kind of perspective for me and just kind of give me the stuff that at least some part of animation that I really dig the most, which is basically let's put all these, you know, filmmakers and story writers into a room and let's just bit by bit, by bit, by bit, talk about this film and how we want it to play out in terms of the setup and then how to follow up with that. Like even make small, like little mention of like, Hmm, we have that, we have that, uh, the choral choir for Fantasia in, in here. Maybe we should ask them about doing some, or uh, like for ideas on how to do voices um, in music for this movie. Like, oh wow. Forgot that was happening around the same time. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's that's my contribution in uh, this this episode. So uh, Chris, did you want to what did you, what do you want to contribute to the water cooler today? Well, uh, yesterday I finally got to see a little movie 
called Early Man from Ardman, oh. directed by Nick Park. Uh, his first film he's directed uh, since Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, and the first <laughs> film he's actually directed on his own. Uh, he's, he's directed shorts, but he's never directed a feature on his own. Uh, I love Ardman, you might know, <laughs> if you've heard me go on about it before. Um, and I'm not going to go in too much detail because I'm hoping that some more members of the team will get to see it when it comes out in America and we can talk about it more in depth. But mm-hmm. it's a really cute and funny film, as you'd expect from Ardman. Um, the animation is really well done, but it's it's got that that hand hands-on sort of handmade charm that's it's no it's not as slick as as um a like a like a movie where you could almost not tell if it's stop motion or cg at some points right because you can see you can see the the thumbprints and things and um <laughs> what they uh it's interesting because they've it's about uh cavemen early men yeah i saw yeah. the trailer for that and so they've all they've all got their their um animal pelt costumes or whatever and that's kind of a thing that you're you're not really supposed to do in stop motion animation is have like real fur or whatever because um it between frames it moves so Mm -hmm. it looks all flickery and everything so and you know they they've just decided no that's part of the charm so it's i think it's and it's also a bit bit of homage to mm. uh like Ray Harry Housen and things like that. And uh it also you, you had that with um Fantastic Mr. Fox. That was the last oh, yeah. major film where you saw that effect. And um we'll be seeing that soon in uh Isle of Dogs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but it is very, very Ardman. I'm not sure how it's gonna do in America because a, it's Ardman and America doesn't seem very bothered about Ardman or stop motion in general. And B, it's about football. I mean, <laughs> soccer. The um, real, no, the real football. The I'm real gonna... football. Um, uh... they, well, it, it is quite important to the plot um, because <laughs> the story is there is a bunch of cavemen and women who live in a valley and they hunt rabbits, adorable rabbits, that are very cheeky and funny and uh, you don't really want them to catch them because they're so cute um, <laughs> and they're the best animated rabbits I've seen since well Wallace and Gromit and the Curse of the Were Rabbit actually because <laughs> they're basically the same rabbits um, <laughs> and uh, basically the people they the valley gets invaded by the, um, a more technologically advanced tribe uh, who are basically in the Bronze Age. That's what they're called, the Bronze Age, and they've got a big, big, uh, like, big city, and it's all technology advanced compared to the Stone Age. And uh, they all gather around the stadium and watch people play football. And uh, they're led by the dastardly Lord Noof, who is voiced by Tom Hiddleston, doing a very funny, very silly French accent. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's to be honest i first time i heard it i wasn't quite sure if, what accent he was doing 
but um, <laughs> it, it, it's very sort of Monty Python sort of French accent. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, um, yes. It's, yeah, that's why I need it from Tom Hiddleston. He's just having a whale of a time, clearly. Um, and yeah, the, the humour is basically, I've, I've heard people sort of, I've heard some of the reviews have been not, not overly glowing and some of the things is oh the, the humor is unsophisticated because oh, uh, it, it, it's like puns which is pure oddman it's slapstick and it's silly accents and things like that so you know it isn't sophisticated it's very it's very traditional british humor but it's i love it it's but it's, it's fun it's, it's fun, fun. <laughs> yeah and it's it's just it's i British people will feel it's cosy. It's Ardman. It's just like, it's a bit like Rachel, when you were saying about uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower being like a comfortable pair of slippers or whatever in film form. <laughs> That's kind of what Ardman is to me. It's like a big, woolly, comfortable jumper. It's cosy mm-hmm. and lovely. And you just, you could just um, wallow in it. And <laughs> Early Man is, it's, I would say it isn't their best film. It's not, um, it's quite, it's quite slight, and it's not as, not as sophisticated as something like Pirates, which has got more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's just fun, and there's some amazing jokes in it. There's, um, <laughs> I would say, look out for the duck. That's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> oh, now now when I see that movie, I'm gonna have to take a look. It's like, where, where's the duck? Where's the duck? <laughs> Yeah, so Early Man is is coming out in the US on the 16th of February. That's not too long from now, at least when we're recording this. Yeah. And it's about five days from now. Interestingly, I noticed, I didn't know this until I saw the credits, um, Amazon were a, an investor in this film. It says, it says in association with Amazon Instant Prime Video. Really? So... Anyone who doesn't get the chance to see it in cinemas, because I don't know how uh, wide the release will be in the US, but if you've got Amazon Prime, I think it will be popping up on there in fairly oh, short order. So That is freaking sweet. Yeah, that's probably how I'm going to end up watching it, because <laughs> I don't go to the theaters too often. It's expensive. <laughs> yeah, like at least 10 to $12 a ticket. Here it's like 15 movie pass movie pass i know i know once i get my 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 full-time job that's what i'm doing get my get my deal feel you i feel you nina (laughs) (laughs) and also i actually watched strangely enough i watched dreamworks trolls Um, really just you know i feel i should watch most of the big animated films or not so big even you know, doing this podcast and mm-hmm. running the site, I should try and watch everything I can, even if I'm not overly excited to watch it. Because, um, <laughs> frankly, I wasn't. The The idea wasn't that appealing based on those ugly little troll things. But I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised by trolls. Um, yeah, I heard it was pretty fun, to be honest, like it's it's pretty harmless <laughs> fun. Yeah, it's um, it's the thing is, like I said, the the dolls are really ugly, which they had a yeah. they had a big um, hurdle to get over that. But they they basically kept like the colourful hair, and, and that's then, about <laughs> that's about it. Um, and the rest of them are like Muppets, basically. Yes, <laughs> like I, all I, fuzzy. 
I, I will get onto that um, because, yeah, um, I will come back to that point. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I will say that I, I'm not crazy about the actual designs. They do go. I think it's a bit of a DreamWorks problem occasionally in some DreamWorks animated films, like going back to Shrek, are not visually appealing, <laughs> some of the designs. I mean, there are some that are fantastic, like How to Train Your Dragon and um, Rise of the Guardians and the Kung, Kung Fu Panda movies. But then there are the other ones like Shark Tale. Oh, God. And the and Ants and the um, Madagascar movies that just, they, they're not very nice to look at, to be honest. But the actual, like, the quality of the animation is really good and they do some really interesting things with textures. They make things look like they're made out of felt and stuff like that and everything looks fluffy and uh, they they also have some interesting uh, sequences that are sort of 2D made out of... They Again, they look like they're made out of, like, felt. Um, huh. You know... Basically, the way they always have like a 2D bit in a lot of 3D animated films is just because the animation people want to put that in. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of music in it. Um, it's a very musical film because the trolls are very musical. Um, <laughs> it's a jukebox musical, right? It is basically a jukebox musical, yeah. Um, and I, some of the songs are a bit... And it does sound a bit like like auto-tuned at times and you're like (laughs) and and also i thought it was illegal to have james corden and russell brand in the same film (laughs) i I thought you could have james corden or russell brand or ricky gervais but never all never all (laughs) but over the top yeah (laughs) i mean yeah they had two of them well what's that about um Uh, but Anna Kendrick's like the main troll and you know I love her so that's okay um, and she's very talented and good at singing stuff uh, musical um, Justin Timberlake's in it for some reason I don't know uh, he, <laughs> he's, he's, he's her counterpoint right? yeah he's most of the time he's a grey troll because he's not happy like everyone he's 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 like a a, um, a paranoid survivalist who's, <laughs> who's, there's these there's these creatures called the oh, what are they called they're called like the boglins or something. not quite not quite something like that a bogot something like that um, yeah, yeah i think it, yeah. It, it, i think that's that's yeah that's I, I i think i recognize that term yeah and they're they're big sort of well you, you'd normally call them trolls but they can't be because those are the trolls um <laughs> and they want to eat trolls and um they think the only way they can be happy is to eat trolls um Aww. uh and yeah, so it's it's got. I've if you've seen the trailer, there was like a bit where there's um, a creature that poops cupcakes when he's shocked. Um, and yeah, that, I remember know. that. Yeah, some of the humor is a bit like that, but like I say, some of the animation is really interesting what they've done, and uh, the the world is sort of it's got this sort of kind of cute but anarchic feel that's a bit Jim Henson style I feel in places and um, there's like one sequence I did really like uh, because sometimes like the the music seems sort of out of place the choice the music choices seem a bit strange Um, Mm -hmm. 
so there's this one bit where um Anna Kendrick's character starts singing Hello Darkness, my old friend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I know that scene. I've seen yeah. And then you suddenly get all these these creatures popping up and sing these like fluffy pink creatures singing along to the song, like all perky oh. singing along to this song. And that that bit made me think That's of Muppets. That's weird. That's kind of cool, though. I mean, it sounds kind of cool. Yeah, it's, it's different for sure. I mean, I I, know, I always thought the visual style of that movie was probably its best asset. Like it, it definitely has its own identity, the way that it looks. Yeah, they they've done something different with it rather than I mean, they've they've managed to make something about those troll dolls visually interesting, which is you know, no one thought that would happen. <laughs> and it's definitely I, I from what I understand it is it was popular enough to warrant um I, I forget where it's airing, but they I think they have a sort of uh kind of like a kids show or yeah, a, a animated show. Yeah, for oh, okay, yeah. So mm. um that they have based off that movie now and it's i can't tell if that's more of it the, the what they go for for the shows of more 2d look but yeah that's i i literally like what they were able to do with the uh the character designs and that's always whenever i've looked at this movie even though like a lot of those jokes that they put in the trailers would normally fall flat for me and that was a sign for me like hmm, this probably is not gonna be my cup of tea very much but i did very, I have to agree with you that the character design work in terms of making them making them visually interesting was very cool. And the other musical choice that was really funny was uh, there's a bit where they show the the um what they uh, why can't I remember what their names are the the bad guys the bogarts Boggarts yeah whatever Boglins. those are called. <laughs> Um, it shows their village. It shows their their hometown, and they're all being miserable, and they're singing along to a gorilla song. Oh, oh. <laughs> which gorilla song? I can't remember. Is it called Feel? No, what's it called? Does is it, it Feel Good Inc? No, uh, is it? Is it? Oh, I can't remember what. It, um, is it? it uh, I don't know. <laughs> Um, it's, it's the one that goes, I'm happy. I'm Ronald happy. Reagan? No. Oh, it's like, I'm happy, I'm feeling sad. I got yeah, that one. Yeah. No bag and I'm useless. Yeah, that one. Yeah, and they're, they're all singing that in a really <laughs> miserable way and getting on with their, getting on with their life. Yeah, that yeah. sounds so Muppets. Both those mm. scenarios, so Muppets. I'm, I'm sure there must have been an influence, basically. Yeah. I know That's a lot. That's the feeling I'm getting. A lot of Ronald animation people. Good lord. <laughs> Where's my brain today? I swear. I think I'm getting slowly poisoned by the boilers in the other room. Anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, really, that's really interesting. Now, both of those sound, um, sound really muppety. <laughs> yeah, if, if, you, if you're like thinking, oh, I'd never want to watch that, it might be worth giving a shot. Um. I'd say if you if you could make it through the first few minutes. <laughs> yeah. See how you see how you are by the first like fifteen thirty minutes, and if it's that that's not if you haven't checked out by that point, then you're probably okay to sit through the rest of it. But basically, if you've got access to it, like on a streaming service or something, mm-hmm. I, I say check it out. It would be it would, would be top of my list, but <laughs> I was I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Yeah, all right. That's me, Dad, I think. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Valdina and Yvonne, I know you, uh, since you were at the festival, you had a lot of uh, things you've already seen, which you've already discussed at length. Um, but I wasn't sure if there was anything outside of that that you wanted to bring up. Uh, Nina, I think you mentioned something when we were off the air that you were thinking about talking about. Oh, just something super duper brief since we have been going on for a while. Just that they're mm-hmm. making a live action Kim Possible movie. Ah. <laughs> yeah, the creators behind the show, Mark McCorkle and Robert Shuley and Josh Kagan, they're going to mm. write the script and act as executive producers. Oh, wow. But I don't know. I mean, it's like a, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's kind of random and I was like, okay. It's been 15 years since the debut of the original show, so I guess. Or even since they put out any other any other content related to that. Because, I mean, I know the show is going for a while, and I'm not sure if they still kind of air reruns on it on, on TV every now and again. But it's, it's, nah, I don't think so. Yeah, is, like, it, is it a TV movie? Did I see that? I think it than, is going to be like a, like Disney, a Disney Channel, Channel movie. Mm, Live action originals. Which okay. Is, uh, I don't know. So that's the only thing I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yvonne, is there anything on your end that you might want to try? Is there anything outside of the... Um, I don't... I've been so um, crazy busy with uh, Animation Nights New York stuff. Yeah. Um, trying to uh, push, move things along. Um, I can't... If I saw, it was actually a really nice break to just uh, focus on watching animation and take notes for, for a couple of days. Um, mm-hmm. Good. But uh, yeah, I can't think of much else. I am really excited to try um, the animation timeline that was added to Quill recently, um, mm. that drawing program for Oculus. Um, oh, yes. I heard about that. Out. Yeah. And uh, actually... Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that because I've been checking out, I guess the other thing I've been doing is sort of checking out uh, tools for animation in VR. So we actually, one of our filmmakers come check out uh, in VR <laughs> huh. here at my studio. <laughs> Very uh, cool. Yeah, uh, Kathleen Judge uh, came out and, and checked it out because she may invest in some of the hardware. So Oh, excellent. But yeah, so I've, I've been just kind of looking at that casually. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just have to, uh, that Animation First Festival was, was uh, a nice dose, though. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad you had the opportunity to enjoy it. Yeah. All right. I guess that more or less wraps us up for today's episode. So uh, to our listeners, thank you once again for tuning in. Uh, if you want to follow or check out any of our other episodes, we've alluded to our Mary and the Witch's flower, epi- uh, flower episode. And, um, you know, feel free to go to the podcast page and, you know, find another episode and take a listen. Um, you were on podcast.com, Stitcher, and iTunes. If you want to follow, uh, continue to follow our podcast, stay tuned for the website for more news, reviews, and other fun little topics discussing animation. If you want to follow us on any form of social media, we are on Facebook. Twitter at AFA blog, Pinterest, um, Instagram, and Tumblr. I think that's everything. <laughs> I've always have, I have to do a mental list of everything of social media that we're on. Um, if you are looking to contribute to the podcast in order, or the website in general in order to help us, you know, create new content and, you know, 
we have a Patreon page, which we'll leave a link in the show notes. You can just click on there and check us out. Uh, and there's also, if you're just not sure if you want to do a uh, Patreon account, we have, you can give us a virtual cup of coffee on coffee. Mm-hmm. Always appreciate the support. Um, we are very, very quickly approaching our 100th episode. Mm-hmm. So Amazing. I, highly urge anyone who follows us either on any one of those social media forms um drop by one of those and leave us some ideas of what you'd like to see for our 100th episode we have our some of our own ideas uh which we're currently uh deliberating and uh thinking about and we'll make sure to let you know what that is once we're getting once we've gotten to that uh threshold but if there's anything you guys want to see specifically specifically from us please do not hesitate to let us know. We're very interested in uh, our feedback from our listeners. In person, it should be in person and live. (laughs) (laughs) Get some some, uh, video video content to go along with the audio. We can meet in, I don't know, Copenhagen. (laughs) Copenhagen. Oh, we'll go use the the, it's on craft offices. (laughs) Hmm. interesting idea <laughs> but yes we definitely want to hear any and all feedback for uh the 100th episode and even other episodes in the future um movies topics of animation you know please give us a shout out and let us know if there's anything you'd like you'd like to hear us talk about and we will definitely take a look and see what we can do and thank you so much guys for tuning in and I do want to leave one last thing to decide for Yvonne, if there's any important information for Animation Nights New York that you would like to voice now before we close off. That is a grand idea. Um, we have two screenings in February for program number 30. Uh, so we have the first screening on Valentine's Day. Annie loves you. <laughs> Come out to, <laughs> to WeWork uh, on February 14th at 8 p.m., in Dumbo, um, we'll be there, and we have some VR content and animated short films from all around the world. And then we'll be at the Gutter Spare Room on the twentieth of February. That's uh, third Tuesday, and uh, you can see the program uh, again if you missed it at the at the first venue. So definitely come check it out if you're in the New York City area. And if you would like to submit a film, please find us on Film Freeway. You can also find the button on the website. Um, the film freeway button on our website to submit a film and film submission is free. So um, please do. Otherwise just, uh, yeah, check us out, get on the mailing list and uh, support, keep supporting independent animation. (laughs) Yep. Always. Yes. And AFA. (laughs) If you want to follow us individually on any one of our social medias, uh, Chris, where can we find you? Uh, Mr. Christo on Twitter. All right. Thank you. And Nina. You can find me at Minnie and Ichi on Twitter. Very good. And Yvonne? I'm on Twitter at iSnare underscore Inc. And uh, check out Animation Nights New York at animationnights.com. Very good. And if you want to follow me, I am primarily on Twitter at Fail2Ninja. Okay. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you on the next episode of the AFA podcast. Take care. Au revoir. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> And we out. We out.